Welcome to Front Row from 2LO Rebooted, where we share the stories of the people who make up design and engineering. I'm Bill Thompson, and in this edition, we look at how we keep our systems running, and also talk about ways to support women in the BBC as they pursue careers within STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And we do both of them by talking to Claire Hawksworth, a service manager based in Salford, but also one of the leaders of the BBC's Women in STEM organisation. I met her on the fourth floor of Key House and started by asking her about her day job. So I, um, I work in a team called Service Information and Support. Um, it's a newly formed team as part of the Mango restructure um, that's been going on over the last couple of years. So we formed in January and my team is primarily responsible for the supplied service desk which is provided by our supplier Atos and also we look after the software and hardware um, asset management policies and procedures. So we make sure that software is compliant across the BBC and we also make sure that we've got the right number of licenses and we can reuse those across the divisions as we need to to make sure we get the best value for money. So it's the sort of job that if you're doing it well none of us notice you're doing it because it just gets done and when it goes wrong we all complain. Exactly that and um, and I think it's also the kind of job that um, we have to say no a lot so we're maybe not sometimes the favourite team in the world because we do have to, to set some policies and set some governance to make sure that we're getting the right value for money for the licence fee payer and also that people get a consistent experience across the BBC from their IT tools. But it's also key to ensuring we don't get hit by things like the recent worm that affected the NHS. Yeah, exactly. So having some control over our software and hardware management means that we we know where we are. Um, It means that we're using software that's appropriately governed and has been checked by information security. And we work quite closely with them to make sure that everything that we do is in line with that policy and guidance while still retaining a balance of creative sort of like license to actually work and to do things that we need to do for the BBC. Because as such a creative organisation, the BBC must have rather different requirements. You were previously at Barclays, weren't you? And I imagine the banking world is quite different from the BBC. Yeah, it's completely different. You could probably compare, like, compared to Barclays, we're probably like the Wild West, um, to be honest. But but that's necessary to achieve a balance and to get some creative vision and, you know, you need to be less restrictive in this environment. But it's all about balancing the risk. So it's making sure that people are aware of, of what they need to do as a minimum to retain sort of like compliant and legal and then where, you know, the appropriate risk margin is to to make sure that we don't land in an NHS type situation. However, to make sure that we can put out you know, the most creative programmes and keep up with the market. And how long have you been at the BBC now? I've been here for just under three years now. So I, I came across from Barclays just about three years ago, looking after the North, Northern Ireland, Scotland, doing their user-facing service management. And as well as your work in service management, you're also one of the key figures behind the Women in STEM group, I understand. Yeah, so I chair the Women in STEM group for North. That has been something that's kind of built up over time. So a couple of years ago when I joined the BBC, I was looking around for where our Women in Tech group was and I could find like smaller groups that were set up in different areas but nothing that really spoke to me as somebody working in technology. So I and a few others actually set up a small group. There was about six of us at the time. We had a, a little bit of sponsorship behind us and that group grew um, over the course of about 12 months to you know, from six people to 70. And then most recently, working with Matthew and Chris Burns, we've actually taken that now and we've got formalisation to make it a pan-BBC group. So we've got an arm in London, which is run by Shani Mashoud, and then we've got the Salford arm, which is run by myself, and then we've got our new Women in STEM coordinator, Prue Stubbs, who is making sure that we, we all kind of know what we're doing and keeps driving us forward in terms of making sure we've got lots of activities planned. 
Tell me a little more about the genesis of the group. So, so is this something which you expected to find at the BBC, having worked at Barclays, or is it something you thought, well, the BBC should have this sort of thing? I guess it was a bit of both, really. So um, working at Barclays, I was involved in their Women in Tech group. It was quite formalised. They did a lot of what they called Powered by Women in Tech events. So it wasn't, it wasn't just for women. It was about, you know, how do we create this diversity and how do we bring everybody along on that journey? And when I came to the BBC, I was, I was looking for this group and I couldn't find it. And then I thought it was something that we really really needed because actually our figures for women across the BBC are actually quite equal so it, it's not far off 50-50 when you look across the whole BBC but then when you start to drill down and look into you know what does that look like from a grade perspective what does it look like from a senior management perspective and then what does it look like from a technology perspective it's completely different I think at the moment we're probably sitting around 23 to 24 percent females in design and engineering and we're looking to get that figure up to 30 percent in terms of what the Women in STEM group can do, what are the actual practical things that you're doing, apart from just changing the atmosphere, what, what are the things that make a difference in terms of recruitment and retention? So there's a couple of different things. So the, the two main things that we focus on are getting new people in and retaining the people that we've got. Um, and we do that for a number of things. So we spend a lot of time going into schools, and working with people around the age of 13 and 14. So before they take their options, get them to start to consider, well, could I be interested in a STEM subject? What can it offer me? And then it's really kind of supporting people through that. So supporting new graduates and apprentices when they come in, getting them involved in the group and giving them, you know, specific activities to be part of or to, to volunteer as part of the group. But then the other side of it as well is is actually retaining people. So supporting them and, and helping them work through different work situations which might be new to them, might be alien to them. You know, how do they cope when they're the only female in the room of, you know, of a meeting of 10 people? How do they deal with those different situations? And what we're going to be looking to do throughout the course of the year is is set up things like resilience workshops at lunchtime so that people can just come along just for an hour and get some top tips and hints, some career workshops so that we can start to talk around, you know, what kind of roles do we actually apply for? One of the like the common things that we tend to find from from our women is that when they look at a job role, they will they'll go right through the list of things. And if they can't do one or two things on there, they won't apply for a role. And that's not typically a behaviour that you actually see from from men. So we're trying to learn, you know, from each other as well and to try and to see how we can kind of move that forward. The other key thing that we've got planned for this year, which is going to be open to all, is our mentorship programme. So we're going to be offering ten women across the BBC. Um, who are working in tech roles, the opportunity to be signed up to a mentor who's a couple of grades above them. They will stay with them for 12 months and really help them to work out how they can progress onto the next step in their career. That sounds like something that can have quite a big impact quite quickly because if it's once it's successful, it then becomes a, a, an escalator that a lot of women who work in tech can take up. Yes, exactly. And I think also as well, you then see how you can offer your support to other people who may be in you know, a bit earlier in their career maybe than where you are and it does become a, a, a bit cyclical and people can then kind of take what they've learned and go and help other people and, and I'm hoping that will spread them throughout the organisation. And you have a, a range of events, a bigger events that you're planning as well, don't you? So at the moment we've got the London Recruitment event coming up that's going to be open to internal um, people as well as externals and, and that's really to look at our retention and how we do that going forward because we realised when we run the recruitment event in Salford um, earlier this year 
that a lot of the people that came along who were internal learned a lot about the other areas of design and engineering. So we thought, right, when we do the London one, let's open it to internal staff and let's really help our retention. Later on in the year, we're looking to do a partnership event whereby we bring all of our different partners that we gathered over time into the BBC so that we can network and we can see what other people are doing in their organisations. And then, as I mentioned before, we're going to try and really get these almost like lunch and learn sessions in so that people can drop in and out to something that suits them. How are you managing to fit all this in with your day job? It's a balance and I think the thing is is that when you're passionate about something you do manage to find time to do it. Um, I get quite a lot of support from my line manager actually. You know, He's very supportive in, in terms of me being able to balance some of this and, and to work across. And actually I think it helps me in my own career anyway because it gives me that opportunity to work with lots of different people. It means I can bring different things back to my team and to really sort of champion that diversity approach and... I don't think that I think that's adding to my role rather than taking away from it. And, and you're clearly making quite a significant contribution to, to making the BBC a, a better place to work and to supporting women. Are there specific things that all of us should be considering when it comes to making the environment easier and, and more supportive for not just for women but for all colleagues? I think one of the most difficult things actually is just being aware. Um, it's it's almost like the unconscious bias. So I know that there's unconscious bias training on Academy. I encourage everybody to do that because you just don't realise sometimes. Even myself, sometimes I say something. I think I really shouldn't have said that. That's not it's not you know pro diversity or it's not really where we want to be. And I think it's just about thinking you know like when are we having meetings? If we're having meetings down the pub, is that appropriate for everybody? What if they've got childcare at four o'clock and they need to leave? You know, do we save those important meetings for in the office? And I think it's like moving away from some of that the old boys old school approach of you know the deals are done in the pub or whatever else and moving towards uh, you know how can we be fully inclusive how can we make sure that we're not inadvertently excluding somebody just because we've not considered they may need to get home for their children or whatever else it might be i think that's really important it it reminds me of of the move 20 30 years ago to change language that it didn't assume maleness that it wasn't sort of all all about him and it took quite a lot of effort for a lot of people just to transform their writing style but now it seems entirely natural and presumably you look to a time where there's no need for a particular women in stem group to try to change things it may be there for support but it won't have to change things because we will have actually made those changes yeah, I think that's the dream. You know, that's where we'd really like to get to. And I think one thing that I'm always really conscious of with the group is that I've never really, I've never wanted it to be a raw group. I've always wanted it to just become part of something that we do. And when we will be running these events, we're not just running them for women. So we're doing them as powered by women in STEM for all to join because actually we can learn a lot from each other. That's Claire Hawksworth, and her enthusiasm and energy really shone through. You'll have heard Claire mention the new women in STEM coordinator, Prue Stubbs. Well, Prue will be working with me to produce some new programmes for 2LO Rebooted over the next few months. And the recruitment event that Claire mentioned will be in London at NBH on Monday the 12th of June from 5 to 8pm. It's aimed at attracting women in technology who are curious about and considering the BBC as a prospective employer. But as Claire mentioned, it's open to everyone internally too. If you want to know more, contact Rebecca Salisbury. So that's all from this edition of Front Row on 2LO Rebooted. Do get in touch if you know of people or projects you'd like us to cover.